So hello and bonjour, bienvenue to my new episode of my expat journey. Today I have the great privilege to welcome Ellen Ellis as a guest. Hello, Ellen. Welcome. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me um, on your podcast. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you. You're most welcome. Ellen, you are anthropologist. You are the founder of Distance Families. You are the author of the first of the trilogy of books, Being a Distance Grandparents, a book for all generation. You also conduct a study for your university degree with this question, how is distance grandparenting for you? Why this subject, Ellen? <laughs> well, I have been a distance grandparent for over 20 years and a distance parent, which is just as important, if not more important, for over 30 years. Um, my marriage is a blended family and my husband is older than me. So that's how I got onto this grandparenting journey, probably a little earlier in life than most mm -hmm. people do. And three of all our children have lived overseas um, at different times and three of the four now are permanently overseas and have been for quite some time. At different times, they lived all over the world in different countries with various jobs. But now um, my stepson, who's in his 50s, is in the UK, been there for over 30 years. Mm -hmm. My daughter lives in Atlanta, Georgia. Georgia. She's been all over the place. There's two children there. And my son is in Chicago. And when I was doing my under undergraduate degree, one of the very last papers I had to do was learning how to do a research proposal. Mm -hmm. And my professor said, If you were to do your master's, what would you do your master's on? Well, I really didn't have any great ideas, but what I did know was about distance parenting and distance grandparenting. And it didn't take very long to realize that there was next to nothing out there. Yeah. And I thought, wow, there's all these people, all these yeah, grandparents yeah. and parents, quietly, uncomplainingly, hopefully, you know, mm -hmm. uh, just coping with their world and nobody's yeah, yeah. talking about it. So that led to the masters on the subject and that led to the book series because I felt there were stories to tell and voices to be heard. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I loved reading your book because it's exactly what it is. It's giving a voice to that people. Um, mm -hmm. Of course, I related to my mother, my father, my parents-in-law uh, and realizing that they, these persons are thinking something or are feeling something about my situation, my decision, I, you know, I had that in the back of my head, but reading, reading precise example of people, a precise situation, as you mentioned in your book, that was really blow minding for me. So thank you so much, Ellen. So we're going to start first with a definition of what is distance grandparent. You mentioned um, in the middle of your book that it's not the same as distant and you make a precise uh, difference. Can you explain that to us? Yes. The distance with a CE um, is all about geography and time zones and all that sort of thing. Distant with a T to me means, um, you know, not a very close relationship um, emotionally. So I've used distance with a CE everywhere. So I created terms and I think I might have created them actually. Distance families. Yeah. And distance. You are a distance daughter. I'm a distance parent, I'm a distance grandparent, I'm a, step, a distance step-grandparent, and, and we also have distance grandchildren, so your daughter is a distance grandchild child to your uh, parents and parents-in-law. So 
that the CE is very important. Um, people really get you know confused all the time, and that's absolutely perfectly fine. But um, I, I've, I'm starting to realize I've actually created this. Yeah, and because I'm hoping it's a movement. That's great. <laughs> I've never heard that term, and I've never considered myself as a distance daughter. Ah. After reading your book, I, I'm definitely am, and my mm. daughter is definitely a distance granddaughter. So yeah. it it creates a frame to yes. our situation, yes. and in some way, it's quite confronting. It boring. is confronting, and that's tough for some. Yeah. But you know, as you and I have chatted, it's not that bad. It's good to no. understand. Mm. Yeah, good point. So I love the fact that you really categorize some situation. For example, you talk about the five barriers uh, we can mention or uh, some level of communication. So mm -hmm. why this need of precise classification? Well, as I thought through how we all communicate with each other, I thought it was good to address the fact that there's lots of different ways. And, um, you know, we can have, you know, texts which are just, you know, soft and fluffy and, and we have administrative type emails about, you know, when are we going to chat next? And, and then we have communication where everything, as I say, turns to custard. You know, you had great intentions of having a lovely chat, but then the children, you know, got upset or they were hungry or they were crying. And, I get that all the time. I mean, that that's normal. That's not normal communication with my little grandkids. And then every so often you have conversations or a video call where everything's right and and you you really connect. And and you know, in many ways, this is what it's like living like when you're with people close. Like if your family lived down the road, you have occasions where Yeah, you just yeah. have administrative meetings, you know, communications. You have times where things turn to custard and you have times where there's magic and connections. And I think it's important to realize that just because you're living overseas, there's lots of things that are just the same as if they would be at home. And many a time, you know, I mean, we had our family over for dinner last night, our only family here, but, you know, one of them couldn't come at the last minute because she wasn't well. So, yeah. you know, that's life. It's fine. <laughs> so I realized that um, with my mother, I have one um, appointment every Monday morning for mm -hmm. me, Sunday evening for her. And mm -hmm. I realized that we're having half an hour, 45 minutes, and that's yes. a rich encounter regarding your classification. And I think yes. that's why I feel every time I'm hanging up, I feel so full inside. Good. And I realized that with some of my other best friends, we only have like this fluffy um mediocre encounter because we're trying mm -hmm. to call when we're in the bus so when she was driving her kids to school etc mm -hmm. and every time I hang up I have this frustration and this missing mm -hmm. inside so having this classification really helped me um, frame and understand mm -hmm. that there are different situations but it's all about mm -hmm. thinking consciously about them Yes. Like, what do I, what's my intention here? Do I want to connect or do I just want to give some news or yes. uh, do I feel sad? Do I really want to have this deep uh, relationship? How yes. do I put my energy? How do I put my intention in it? Yes. I think that word intention is the thing. It's intentionality. But I think you also have to be kind to yourself. You can't have rich encounters with everybody no. I mean, it, you know as we go about our lives even if all my family lived here 
every encounter would not be a rich encounter. Yeah. <laughs> so I think, you know, you have to be kind to yourself. But it is, as you say, good to understand that, that it, it can flip-flop as to how you're communicating. Yes. Yeah, definitely. And lots of my clients come in um, because I'm working with expats a lot and they are um, struggling to feel aligned between their life here and overseas. Mm-hmm. And I think consciously creating an intention in the communication, it's definitely mm-hmm. going to help them. So I'm going to steal that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I can tell you that um, there are many distance parents and grandparents I've met whose relationship with their children overseas and their grandchildren overseas is actually, it's the strongest relationship they have of all their children. And it's all because of the fact that the ones overseas make the greatest effort. So it's not all bad news. No, no, definitely not. not. Yes. And and your book is not uh, definitely painting a bad situation or whatsoever. Not at all. And uh, we're going to talk about that uh, later because you, you even write about the benefits of being oh. a distance grandparent and I, I love that part because it's it keeps the positive but of course you're talking about uh, the hardcore emotions and the loss and the acceptance and that's definitely what what I want to about what I want to talk about today mm-hmm. before going into that road I would like just to clarify as well because I really liked your metaphor about the thinking pie mm-hmm. so can you uh, can you explain that to our audience Okay, I created this, um, a pie, you know, a pie, an apple pie or whatever. And I called it the the, um, distance family thinking pie. And it's all about the fact that as we go about our lives, we all think about the other generations who are overseas at different levels. So I maintain that us as distance parents and distance grandparents do the greatest amount of thinking. We have the biggest slice of the distance family thinking pie. Next is your own generation, the middle generation, the distant sons and daughters. You think a lot about it as well, but you've also got a lot more things even happening in your life than sometimes we do. And then the distance grandchildren, well, some of them think a whole lot and most don't think an awful lot. And there's nothing wrong with that. So if we're aware and conscious of the fact of how much thinking we're all doing, then we're just a little bit aware, more aware of how important it is to connect yeah. and, and where they're coming from. I agree. So it's not a criticism. It's just a, this is the reality. Yeah, this is a fact. Yeah, yeah. Yes, I, yes, yes. I agree as with I, you. Yes, as I say, in the, you know, every morning when I wake up, the first thing I think about is, are the kids okay? Mm-hmm. And I go to my emails. And I, in fact, I check my phone first because if there's anything really bad, it's on the phone. Yeah. And then I check my emails. I'm not sure that all distant sons and daughters <clears throat> are doing the same thing because they've got lots of other things happening in their life. But it's just good to understand mm-hmm. that's how we are. Yeah, definitely. That's, um, I love this visual metaphor because it definitely was uh, really helpful for me. And I think it's, it's so true because I checked with my mom this morning. <laughs> <laughs> with my phone and she said yeah definitely uh she's thinking a lot a lot a lot about us during the day and so I, I can definitely testify that I'm sure she's thinking much more about us than I do because as you just said I have you know my whole life work etc that is taking a lot of space in the thinking and um I what I look at my daughter and my daughter for sure for for her my parents are present in her mind but 
of course, they are not taking a lot of space. Yes. So, and, and it's okay. It's just and being it's aware okay. of it. Yeah, yeah. I and agree they, with you. If they lived here, it would be the same. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because I, I lived uh, 20 kilometers far away from my grandmother. And uh, when I was a child, I wasn't really thinking a lot about her. And oh, so, nice. yeah. So let's talk about now about uh, loss, grief, acceptance, and uh, a concept that you arise about ambiguous, ambiguous, ambiguous loss, ambiguous loss. Because again, I love this that it's not black and white, and that you mm -hmm. put some uh, nuances. So yes. can you elaborate about this term? Okay, ambiguous loss is um, a term that um, explains a loss that's it's there, but it's not there. You can't quite pin it down. And this is the loss of having your children or your grandchildren around. They're here. They turn up on the email. They turn up on the video screen, but they're not here. So you have the family relationship. You haven't lost them. They haven't died, but they're not here physically. And that's how an ambiguous loss relates to distance familying. So there is a, a degree of, of grieving. Yeah. You know? And, you know, I always say, you know, whenever I've never raised children and, you know, whenever there was one of those tricky things that happened in life, I would say, gosh, they never told me about that at the antenatal class. That's one of my lines, you know. Mm -hmm. And when I went to the antenatal class, nobody told me that my children were going to live overseas. Yeah. So you just assume that they're going to be here. That's how you imagine your life would be. So this is an ambiguous loss. It's there, but it's not there. Mm -hmm. And you have to grieve it and go through the stages of grief. And the stages of grief are very different for everybody. Last night, um, I have a Facebook page, a private group just for distance grandparents amongst my various social media things. And um, I had a message for somebody wanting to join it. And the lady... I put a message there she said my children have moved out of town and to another state and she was just bereft mm. absolutely bereft but then I could introduce you to a grandparent you know who's been doing distance grandparenting for 20 years and they go oh well you know this is the way it is you know so everybody has different stages of where they're at with it and we don't all immediately just embrace it <laughs> yeah. yes and again it's okay it's okay. That's right. So you, you talked about the three H's of acceptance, harmful, human, and helpful. But at the end of, the, of your book, of course, you updated it with the COVID-19 situation. Mm -hmm. And you talked about accepting again. And yes. what I'm seeing now with my client is a real struggle. Mm -hmm. Because um, a lot of what we, you talked about, about the travel, the fact that some... Um, grandparents are coming to babysit two weeks or etc a lot of examples are now not possible that's correct and so how do you how would you define this new acceptance how would you reframe the three h's with this new situation here yes the three h's related to the language didn't it it was about um you know, helpful language, harmful language, you know, when a grandparent or parent says, how dare you take my children to the other <laughs> side of the world? That is really harmful. Mm -hmm. you know? And 
And even when they say, oh, I miss you so much. Why don't you come back home? That's not helpful either, you know. Mm -hmm. but, but when they say, look, I accept what you're doing. I wish you well. I will miss you, but, you know, go forth. That is, that is really helpful. Yep. But I think what's happened now is that we have a war. It just happens to be a pandemic war. You know, during World War II, and, you know, families were separated. Children in London were sent to the countryside and didn't see their parents for a long time. There was no way they could communicate. So sometimes I just keep reminding myself when I haven't seen my kids for absolutely ages, this is a war. <laughs> we're in a war zone right now. And the likes of yourselves went and lived overseas, always knowing in the back of your mind you were just 24 hours away from home. And that is no longer the case for many of us in certain countries. So <clears throat> our life's been turned upside down and we yeah, don't yeah. know when it's going to be all over. So for me, I frame it, my survival framework is to say, this is a war. Mm -hmm. and, and during war times, everybody's lives are upside down. And I know it sounds pretty drastic, but it actually yeah. puts everything in context. And, and it, it makes it, okay, this is a war. We can't get in a plane. We, the kids can't come here. It starts to make sense. That, that's how I've done it anyway. So that, that's, that's your strategy to, to cope with the situation? Yes, okay. yes that's right. Yes. Mm -hmm. Really interesting. Yeah, that makes me think I haven't seen the situation as a war, but right now I can see the consequences, just like a soldier prison. Yes. I'm stuck on this beautiful island yes. here and, and I cannot go yes. back. No one can come in. So it's more uh, the consequences of an event. So yes. it's, it's quite interesting. Yes. It's yes it is. And it's not over yet. No, it's not over yet. No. And, and then when it is over and we can travel, <clears throat> there will be distance parents and grandparents who have what I would say lost their mojo. Yeah. And the concept of traveling is just now in the too hard basket. Mm -hmm. They've had, they've got older by, you know, two or three years or whatever it takes. And what they could manage in 2020 or 2019, they now can't manage. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yes. And that means then the responsibility is more on the distant sons and daughters side yeah. to make that effort. And that's not what they planned either. Mm -mm. No. no so we have to realize that, that that's how i say mm -hmm. if you think of it as a war go whoa okay what did our families live through in the war my dad lived in the uk and you know one day his house was bombed when he was a child so you know i think well that's what he lived through <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> pretty no. radical but so um let's talk about your personal experience now uh helen so how did you manage being uh, a distance grandmother grandmother well we have just made a point of traveling as often as we can manage and we've been doing this as i say for 30 years so when we first started we had teenagers at home in new zealand and it was all well, children and then teenagers so it was pretty tricky so we just made a, a decision to do the best that we can manage and most of those trips were planned and organized and advanced Um, but occasionally, you know, there was um, there were two that uh, 
you know, were not planned and we had to go in an emergency and help them. So you never quite know what's going to happen around the corner. And that really does test you and it's quite a lonely place. And there are times when you have to just be there for somebody. Um, I did that when my daughter had um, finally moved to Atlanta in Georgia. She was um, eight months pregnant with a toddler and her husband with his job had to go out of town and there was out not out of town but out of country and I thought gosh you know she can't be sitting in a brand new city with eight months pregnant with a toddler mm-hmm. my neighbor next door here um her daughter had just delivered at eight months I thought this is no good so you know immediately I I just felt well she needed to have somebody there so got in a plane and went over and then Later on, her marriage, um, you know, didn't survive. And I ended up going over and um, just being there for her at that time. And these these are lonely times. Um, and even just, look, Saturday night just gone. We had dinner with friends and uh, their distance parents, not grandparents. And the mother went over to London in the middle of covid um, which most of us haven't gone anywhere. <laughs> and she was there for two months to be with her daughter who wasn't doing so well. So, you know, we've all, and the same thing happens for you. You know, you have to suddenly come home or or you want to come home, but you can't because of COVID, because there's something, you know, your parents are unwell or whatever. So we're, we're all tired. We're stretched. Our, our desire to help is really stretched to the max. And it's not necessarily possible to do everything we want to do and that's hard right now it's a hard hard thing to cope with Mm. that's when the acceptance kicks again the new level of acceptance yeah the new level time acceptance (laughs) as i as i cope yes yeah you could call that meta acceptance or something like that (laughs) that would be it so to be on a more positive note i love the fact that you talked about the in-country families Yes, And you said, treat them like gold. And uh, it was a great reminder because I have two sisters living uh, behind, yes. really close to my mother. And uh, it was a, a, a great reminder that um, they are part of the picture. Yes. And um, they can be definitely a great support as well. They are incredibly important. And I think that it, I might be... I think I'm right when I say that whenever you know when you leave town, when the distant sons and daughters leave, I, I think they maybe don't think it too much about their brothers or sisters who are left behind because it wasn't their choice to now be the, the one that's more on the spot. And you know, it's a big responsibility. And yes. as the parents decline, they see that gradual change. They see the little nuances that are changing every day. While the one overseas just sees a cheery face. The pretending face on at the video call and I have a in my next book being a distance grand uh, sorry being a distance son and daughter I talk about what I call the out of town expert with the briefcase theory and that is about the distance son and daughter who feel really bad and guilty that they're living away from home and they do manage to come and visit mum or dad or mum and dad when maybe they're not well and you know they're moving on and they arrive in town and they tell everybody what to do and (laughs) this is what should happen now you know because I'm only here for 10 days and the poor other siblings have been 
going from day to day, mm -hmm. doctor's appointments, seeing all the changes. They know what's happening. They understand where their parents are at. And I recommend that you're not the out-of-town expert with a briefcase. Come arrive. Say to your siblings, right, you know where it's at. You tell me the most useful thing I can do. And, and, and listen to them because they do understand a lot more. Um, yeah, that will be advice in my next book. <laughs> yeah, that's a great one, definitely. <laughs> so I mentioned before, and I love the fact that you found some benefit of grandparenting. Yes. Can you tell us which benefit of grandparenting did you find? Sure. Well, I think, you know, because we know that our children are overseas, our, our life has evolved in different ways. So I've taken on things that I probably would never have taken on. Well, you know, I did a undergraduate degree and a master's you know in the last few years I don't know that I would have done that mm -hmm. if I needed to look after grandchildren you know a day or two a week or something yeah. and we have a freedom that is it is quite nice sometimes you know mm -hmm. our house is reasonably clean and tidy and mm -hmm. I don't have a car seat in the back of my car and and my husband recently got a brand new car we've never had a brand new car it was very nice And so I thought, gosh, if we had grandkids in car in, in the country, my car would definitely be the car with the, the, the sticky grant, the car seats and the mess because we oh, wouldn't yeah. have had the mess in the new car, would we? So it would have been my car. So these are little things. And, it, you know, I see you know, girlfriends and grandparents here who do an awful lot of babysitting. In fact, they give up days working. You know, they change their career. They change the direction of their career they become part-time and whatever they're doing there's this obligation that you now need to look after your grandchildren one or two whatever days a week they're exhausted yep all the time and I don't have that mm -hmm. so you know I try and look on the positive side that sure I don't have the same closeness and relationship but I've also learned that you can still have this at a distance if you work at it if my family work at it but I don't have all this other stuff happening. And I know that every Saturday night is my own. I don't have to babysit mm -hmm. anybody. And I've met grandparents who, who actually embrace it. They say, fantastic. <laughs> you know, I said to my kids, you can do anything. And they decided to go and live overseas. That's fine. I'll make the most of it. Mm -hmm. And that's really very healthy. Yeah, yeah. it <laughs> is <great>. very healthy. <laughs> I love the fact that you said you uh, increase your digital competency as well and your global thinking. And yes. I, I, I could definitely witness that uh, with my parents and my in-laws. That's good. That, that's, that's really good. That's one of their responsibilities is to become more global in your thinking and not narrow because of how where you live and what you eat and what you do. Think wider. And that's not necessarily easy for all nationalities. Some are better at that than others, I think. Yeah, I agree. Mm -hmm. So what would be your last word, uh, Helen? One question haven't I haven't I <laughs> asked? So uh, what, what's missing here from our interview? I guess is what is the most important thing from my perspective that each generation has to do? Mm -hmm. And for the parents and the grandparents, I think their, their most important responsibility is to accept. Accept this move accept that your children have done it, you've raised them, you said you could do anything and that's exactly what they've done. Now that acceptance may be two steps forward and one step back, two steps forward and one step back. But as long as you're moving 
and a positive you know, direction, then that's fantastic. For your generation, distant sons and daughters, it's about the intentionality of make, doing your best to keep in touch with the family. Don't put huge pressures on yourself. Involve your children. If the children are smart enough to be on devices and things, they can, they can take some of that responsibility, connect with the grandparents, connect with your parents. But have an intentionality that you're going to do your best and not avoid it and don't see it as a nuisance and an inconvenience. And if you make that effort, you could actually come out winning and be the ones with the closest relationships of all your siblings. It's absolutely possible. Thank you so much, Helen, for being here today. I remember the title of your book, Being a Distance Grandparent, a book for all generations. So I can't wait to read the next one about <laughs> being a distance daughter and uh, probably the next one after uh, being a distance granddaughter for my own daughter. So thank you. Thank you so much, Helen, for being here today. If you like this podcast, please share it with your friend or family. In the meantime, stay tuned. There are more episodes to come. Thank you so much. Merci. Au revoir.